Guys, my name is Will, and I just want to say actually welcome to all of you. Uh, welcome to FCC. We are so glad that you're here. Uh, last week, we finished our, ser- our series of Proverbs, which is one of the wisdom books of the Old Testament, and we looked at wisdom and how precious it is and what God wisdom looks like versus our own wisdom. That living a life of wisdom is a life that honors God, honors others, and honors the entire community. Wisdom. So let's see how much I can use of that today. Um, pray with me, guys. Heavenly Father, we come to you not in our own names. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus, your Son, Father God. And in his name, we would just ask for your presence to be here, Father, just that you would just fill this place, that you would have your way, um, Father, and that we would really, really understand the privilege that we have, that we can come to you whenever we want and lay down our burdens at your feet, Father God. And uh, you are a good Father, and you want to hear us, Father. So as we talk about prayer today, Father God, be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're starting a new series today about blessed rhythms, and if you've been around here for a while, like this says, uh, you've been around here for a while, or maybe you, you've heard about it uh, here and there, but um, uh, you, you, these are, it's an acronym, okay? So it's really, really simple to remember. Um, it's five easy steps that we really want to become part of our church DNA, and, and for a few reasons. But first, I want you to know that this isn't a church, pro, it's like not a new church program, okay? This isn't something new. Uh, it's five different things that we can do to bless people wherever we live, work, play, or learn. Um, to build relationships with people, no strings attached. It's something that we can do uh, that we see not only as a pattern in the uh, earliest church that changed the world, but this blessing rhythm um, we see throughout all of Scripture. So one reason we really want to get this into you is that these are guys that can lead us into the very um, desires of Jesus and for the purpose for which we were all created. And I think the biggest reason is that when we do them, they remind us of one important truth. We need God and we need each other. Okay, so today... I may go over a little bit, okay? There is, it would probably actually be really good for you, but there is a ton of information about prayer. A ton of, you know who talks most about prayer? Women. Women talk about prayer a lot. You know, just keep going on and on. I'm, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Uh, a lot of women, and I, and I listened to a lot of them, thanks to Adrian. She pointed me to a few good sources. Because um, there's a lot to talk about, guys. Um, so is it okay if I go a little bit over today? It's all right, all right? So because this is, here's the deal. First, we're gonna go wide. And then we're going to go deep, okay? So here's some things that I just want you to know that while I was preparing this the other day, I took the day off because our water heater had broken um, and it took like a week to get the part. And after five or six days of cold showers in your 50s, I wanted to be there to make sure that it got it fixed ASAP. So um, I got up and I sent the kids and I waited for the repair guy. So for like the next nine hours, I like downloaded and listened and read and watched like so much information about prayer. Um, And my poor, poor daughter Zoe was the first person home from school that day. And it was just like, Zoe, what are you doing with your life? Jesus loves you. What is wrong? And she was just like, trying to get away. So pray for pastors, kids. They get it bad just as everyone else. Uh, That's what I go through, you know? Because relationships are difficult, right? Just ask my wife or my kids or maybe some of you guys know me here. You know, I come with a whole shopping cart of isms, ideals, dreams, and social dysfunction. And that's okay because so do you. Okay? We all do. You ever feel like this? You ever feel like that? Right? I mean, relationships can be hard, right? Because, you know, we're all born with this one perspective, 
and we go around thinking about us all day long. 365. So when Jesus said the greatest commandment, okay, I was, I was going to give you guys some props today. I didn't have time. Uh, when he gave the greatest commandment was love of God and to love others as yourself, that's the bar. Because nobody takes better care of you than you. Okay, so, but we're designed. We're designed to be in relationship with one another and with God. But we need each other far more than you possibly think because we're all in the same boat. So today we're talking about prayer. Now, what was the first prayer you remembered praying? Maybe it was like mine. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord to s- my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Okay, which probably terrified children across the country. I'm not sure if that qualifies as spiritual abuse, but I remember it um, being both strangely scary and comforting. Now, every follower of every, pray, of every faith prays. I'm going to take it a step further. I think that we all pray. Now, to what or who is a different topic, but there's this old saying, there's no atheists in foxholes, which I think is probably accurate because when you're in that place, when you're in between that rock and that hard place, when you're like, this could be it, okay? Um, there's no way out. You'll pray, okay? Or at least you'll try to make a bargain, right? If you get me out of this, I will, you know, dot, 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 fill in the blank. We all have, you know? Everyone prays. Why? Seems so strange. But it's not if you look at our situation. So we're going to change some perspective and get some scope. All right. I just want to remind you of a few things here. You're on a planet. You guys think you're in America? Zoom out. Okay? You're on a space rock floating in nothingness, infinite nothingness, and that infinite nothingness is expanding. That means that endlessness is getting bigger. That doesn't make any sense. Thank you, Pete Holmes. See, we're here on a rock that is rotating at over 1,000 miles an hour, and we don't fly off because of gravity, and guess what? We don't know how that works. And and this planet is traveling in its orbit around the sun, which is a huge ball of hydrogen and helium that's in a a giant fusion reaction held together by its its own gravity at 67,000 miles an hour. Our sun's not even a big one. You know what we call it? A yellow dwarf. That sounds offensive. Okay, every star that we see here has at least one to several planets orbiting them. There are over 100 billion stars in the average galaxy. The average ones we know called supergiants that have over 100 trillion stars. These would take 300,000 years at the speed of light to go from end to end. It's estimated that there could be more than 2 trillion galaxies in the observable universe. This gives me reason to pray. Okay? And you know why? This is amazing. Because this is the way that I see this. God made all of this Okay, so that you could, I could be, so that we could exist. He made a material universe so amazingly fine-tuned so that his material children could experience life together and with him. These are reasons we should pray. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. David cries out in a prayer of praise in Psalm 8. He says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place... What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Now, I would agree with David. So at most scientists, over 50% believe in some deity or higher power. And it's amazing when you think of it, from the beginning, man has looked up at the night sky in awe and wonder. When was the last time you guys did that? You guys still do that? You should try it sometimes. It's one of the reasons he put them there. Now, 
I do, now here's one thing. I do not think that God only cares about this one planet. No, I think he cares about all of creation. And I remember um, this interview, I, was, I heard about a scientist, this astrophysicist guy, really smart. Uh, he said something that was very remarkable. He said, yes, he thought that there must be life uh, or other civilizations somewhere in the universe of two trillion galaxies. He says, but we haven't found anything yet, not even a signature. And he says that if there aren't any, then that could mean the only meaning in the universe is us. Paul says when talking about people who refuse to acknowledge God, he says, you know, they know the truth of God because he's made it obvious to them. For ever since the world and sky was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Uh, through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, um, the eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Now, Albert Einstein, who did not believe in a personal God, but a lawgiver who set the laws of the universe, said this, God reveals himself in the orderly harmony of what exists. Now, scientific studies have found various benefits from prayer. It can make you less reactive to negative emotions, less angry, less aggressive. Um, it helps you see situations in a new light or from a different perspective, lower stress and anxiety. Now, I, I don't know. Oh, can we go to the next slide? Here's a list of some of the things. Now, I don't know about you, but um, I need every one of these things. I need help in all of these departments. So um, if prayer does just as these things, then I'm on board, okay? Now, who here prays? Show hands. Honestly, just who here prays? Okay, now I'm gonna ask you a second question. Who here wishes they had a more rich and deeper prayer life? Isn't that weird? You know, we all do. We wish we all had more of it. You know, we all want more. And here's what's crazy. It's available whenever we want. See, prayer seems so easy in one sense, but it's so hard to do in another sense. Why is it so hard to still ourselves and sit down and do the hard work of prayer? You know, I think because it's kind of mysterious. You know, prayer is so simple, yet so very deep. We kind of understand it's, it's talking to God, okay, communicating with God. So in order to move forward, we have to come to a clear understanding of what prayer is. So instead of me trying to explain it to you, I found this kind of short video that has some really good images that really help me understand more clearly what prayer is. Is that okay with you guys? Sure. Okay, awesome. You know that one person you catch on the phone and they only call you to complain or when they need something and they just spew words at you nonstop and it's all about them and it's not about you and you can't even get a word in and then they just say, okay, goodbye, <laughs> click. I think that's how God sometimes feels when we pray. And if you're anything like me, prayer can fall into four categories. Either it's dry and stale, like a dried out old bagel, or we say the same things over and over again, like a broken record, or we treat God like some giant vending machine in the sky where I put a little something in and get a little something out. Or worse, prayer becomes the most annoying chore or obligation possible, like vacuuming the entire house when it's 9,000 degrees outside. Whatever it is, we're gonna stop praying. And once we stop praying, it's like when we stop watering the plant, our faith dies. So I just wanted to pass along some thoughts and techniques I've picked up along the way that have helped me break out of all these and really helped me take my prayer a little deeper. Now, I'm not going to just give you some fancy definition of prayer because I don't really think you can capture it just with some words. So instead, I'm going to give you a picture. To me, this is prayer. And this will make more sense as we go along, but if I had to put words to it, I would say, it's the mutual emptying or pouring out of one heart into another until the two hearts become one. 
And oh, by the way, one of those hearts happens to be God's. Now, there are three ingredients necessary in order to make prayer, prayer. And if any one of them are missing, your whole prayer is going to fall apart. I remember them as P-H-T or Okay, P-H-T. Have you ever been alone in a room? Maybe you're waiting for something and somebody else enters the room. Now, you may not see them. Maybe they come in behind you. But you're just aware of the presence of another person in the room. This is the starting point of all prayer. Just the awareness of the presence of another person in the room. Or else we're just talking to ourselves in the dark. Hello? The greatest line I've ever heard about prayer, and of course I don't remember who wrote it, was, God hears our hearts, not our words. I'm going to say that again. God hears our hearts, not our words. So can we all please just forget about am I saying the right thing or using the right words and just get down to the core? What's going on in my heart? If we can speak heart, we can speak God's language. And if we flip that around, we have to learn how to listen to God's heart inside my own heart. And not for any words or feelings or signs, but in very subtle and gentle inspirations or movements in my heart, and those aha moments of clarity in my soul. And once we master this very delicate language of heart, that's when we're talking to God. Okay, you really got to bear with me on this one. Remember those old diving suits where the guy in the bottom was completely dependent on the guy in the top, and the guy in the top had to pump all the air down to the guy in the bottom, and if the guy in the bottom ever wanted to come up, he had to tug the rope and just hope and pray that the guy on top would see it and pull him up? Okay, the point is, if you're the guy in the bottom, you have to entrust your entire life into the hands of the guy in the top, even for your very next breath. Now, in a similar but totally different way, we have to 100% have that same radical trust in the guy on the top, even for our very next breath. Now here's where the analogy breaks down, because it's not just some guy on the top we're entrusting our entire lives to. It's the God of the entire universe who loves you and me in a way that, well, we could never possibly comprehend. Listen to these lines. The whole universe before the Lord is a grain of sand, a drop of morning dew. But not one tiny sparrow falls to the ground without God knowing it. And even the hairs on your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than all the sparrows. And yes, I paraphrase. This is who we're in the presence of. This is who I empty my entire heart to. This is who I entrust my next breath to. All right. So in its own simple way, this is video hits the heart of prayer. I think the visuals actually really, really helped me. I hope it helped you. See, guys, prayer is the most beautiful invitation into a personal relationship with the one who loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to show you how much he loves all of us, even if it costs everything. See, now here is something that prayer is not. Um, the purpose of prayer is not, believe it or not, to get God to do our will. 
okay? He is not a genie or a cosmic Santa Claus, um, and you're not in the driver's seat, okay? And prayer is also not a one-way conversation. Yes, he wants to hear what's on your heart, but he also wants to share his heart with you. Prayer is not something we do to get God to do our will. The purpose of prayer is to know God so we can do his will. Now, what is the will of God? Well, that's another big topic, but we see part of it plainly in 2 Peter 3, 9, the none should perish. Paul puts it this way in his uh, first letter to Timothy. He says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and those, under, uh, those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good pleasing to God our Father who wants all people to be saved and to come to know the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Now, if you need more encouragement to pray, Jesus, okay? Jesus prayed. Jesus, who knew God the Father perfectly, was very, very, very prayerful. Um, yet you would assume he would be someone who would be self-sufficient, Okay, but I think that his love, his vision, his faith and understanding of God was so great that he was constantly looking for places that he could go and pray to his father. You could basically say that Jesus went from place of prayer to place of prayer to place of prayer, and in between he did the will of his father. He even taught them how to pray. In Matthew 6, uh, 6 9 through 13, um, whoa, there you go. Oh, I think I had the wrong thing on the bottom. Um, okay, this is called the Lord's Prayer. Okay, some of you guys are, most of you are probably familiar with it. Do you guys see how this is split up? Okay, see how the top half is all about recognizing who God is? He's our Father. He's above all this. Set the world right. Do what's best as above, so below. Right? And then you look at the, at the bottom half. Now, it's not just about you. It's about we. It's about us because there's a whole world of people out there. Okay? You know, keep us alive with food. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. You know, keep us safe from ourselves and from Satan. Jesus taught us to pray like this. Now, it was Holocaust survivor Corey Ten Boom who said, We never know how God will answer our prayers, but we can expect that he will get us involved in his plan for the answer. That's the way it works. Okay. Now, there are many different types of prayer mentioned in the Bible, depending on who you ask. Um, here is a list of them. Okay, um, so you have prayers that you can make requests to God, which we're all thankful for. A prayer is a way to meditate or a centering exercise. It can be very good. Prayer to be reformed from the inside out. I'm like, yes. Um, but this is called intercessory prayer. And this is where I want to camp. Because this is the sort of prayer that you join your heart, your prayer with God, and you bring about redemption. And it pushes back the darkness kind of prayer, that sort of prayer. The kind of prayer that actually makes a visible, tangible difference in, the, in this world and to the people and the troubling problems that they face. The sort of prayer that brings heaven to earth. Okay, now, biblically, the word intercede means to go between or, or to pass between, to mediate, okay, between two parties, okay? Um, but to put it plainly, intercessory prayer means to pray for someone else. And we're not talking about making little wishes to get God to do what we want, we're talking about love for someone else that goes beyond our power to fill. So we go to God in prayer. Now, this definition of intercessory prayer comes from Richard Foster. He says, if we truly love people, we will desire for them far more than was within our power to give. And this will lead us to prayer. Intercession is a way of loving others. 
Intercessory prayer is a selfless prayer, even self-giving prayer. In the ongoing work of the kingdom of God, nothing is more important than intercessory prayer. Walter Wink said it like this, um, history belongs to the intercessors, those who believe and pray the future into being. Now, here is another perspective to look at some of the things that Jesus' victory did on the, on the cross. Now, the story of the Bible as it relates to prayer. Now, listen, I'm going to move fast. Okay, I'm going to move really, really fast. And I need you to track with me because I am beginning to fear that I am losing you. Okay, so hang in there. All right, so here we go. First, all the way back in Genesis 1, at the very beginning, God created Adam. Now, what you need to know is this Hebrew word Adam literally translates to person as person or human. In fact, many times when you're reading the English translation of what we would call the, old, uh, the Hebrew Old Testament, um, where we read man and woman or man or woman, the Hebrew just says Adam, just like it's spelled in English, A-D-A-M. Now, I remember this, and he's not here today. He's actually sick, so keep him in your prayers. Um, when my son, Tobias, this was part of his own faith journey. When he was like five or six, he had to come to terms with his own mortality. And he would walk around the house. And he would just be like, why do we have to die? You know, stupid Adam and Eve, it was all their fault. Why didn't they just listen? That is exactly what my house sounded like at that time. It took him years to process that, and I think he still is. See, what you need to know is that the claim of the heart of Genesis isn't that this is just the story of God and one guy named Adam. This is the story of God and all of us. This is every individual story. Do you guys know why you were created? Um, Genesis chapter 1 says this, Then let's make God in our image, human beings in our image. This is why the earth is so special. Have you thought about this? Because as far as we know, this is the only place in all of the universe where human beings are. Okay, let us make human beings in our image and our likeness so that they may rule. And then he goes on to list all of the other things in creation. So why were you created? Well, the biblical claim is that you were created to rule. But this isn't like a manipulative, weird power structure, power-hungry sort of rule. This is image of God kind of rule, imago Dei. This is image of God um, sort of authority. You and I were created. We were set apart to rule creation by selfless love. Intercessors participating with God and overseeing the world. Man, isn't that so cool? You know, and God made Adam and Eve as his managers, distributing his authority on earth they were intercessors trusted to call the shots. Now, you need to know this. God did not give the earth to man or to people, but he did actually share the management of the earth with people. He gave us purpose. We were his intercessors or his managers trusted to redistribute the resources of his kingdom on earth. Now, what you should be asking if you're still paying attention is, um, well, where did it all go horribly wrong? Because if God's plan for you and I is to steward and rule creation by selfless love, we're all honestly doing not such a great job. Where did God's intention for creation go so wrong? Well, the scriptures make the claim that all of this dysfunction, okay, is just a product of a great deception that you and I lost who we were. We forgot the role that we were created to fill managing his creation. So we just focused on ourselves. Satan tempts Adam and Eve. They believe that deception. They act on that deception. And then pain and suffering comes into the world. And with that, the line of communication with God is cut off. So the conflict that introduces confusion into the Genesis story goes like this. You have a spiritual enemy. The weapon of that enemy is deception. 
The product of that weapon is questioning the goodness of God. The authority to rule creation given to you and I in Genesis 1 was taken by Satan in Genesis 3. And the intercessor role that God created you and I for was lost to a spiritual enemy through deception, leaving us paralyzed. Now, if this seems kind of technical, um, it's kind of like this. Um, There was a guy that I met here at FCC uh, several years ago and we used to talk and um, I had hit him up and he, he didn't respond and then COVID, COVID happened and a couple of years passed. And then he hit me up after COVID so I was excited to meet with him and we went over to Starbucks right across the street and we sat down and talked. And he said the reason that he hadn't hit me up is that uh, because he'd had a stroke, okay, um, right before COVID. And um, which thankfully he is 100% recovered from. Um, and now he didn't realize it at the time, but he just kind of felt under the weather. Um, so he'd actually gone into work. Um, he really didn't have to talk to anybody that day. And he had to give a presentation and he was the main speaker. So he, he gets up there uh, and he had all the material up here, but he couldn't verbalize it. Um, the stroke had left his, his brain injured. And um, that part of his brain that was connected to part of his motor skills had been damaged. Now, he still had all the intellectual capacity uh, of a young professional in Silicon Valley. Um, but he had, to chew ice. he had to chew ice chips from a nurse for months so he could learn how to, to, to chew and speak again. You know, um, somewhere there was a break between his mind and his body. So I sat there and listened and my heart broke. Um, it described, you know, I, he described how he could feel all the power within him and he was helpless to do anything. He was disconnected from his actual movement. He was trapped inside a body that didn't work. Um, and he could see his action was kind of paralyzed. Um, it was a lock that he couldn't pick because that lock was inside of him. So I think this is something of what God feels when he looks at us because we're trapped due to a communication breach. See, God created us to have this inseparable communication line between him and us, okay? Between his mind and our action. We're called his body. He is called the head. See, we look around the world now and we see all this dysfunction everywhere made by our own choices and we lack the capacity to set the world right. Because somewhere between God's mind and our action, there's been this breach. There's an imprisonment inside of us, and we still carry the same image of a perfect, loving God around with us in the creation that we were meant to manage, yet we're unable to do what we were created to do, what we were designed for. Then God speaking to Satan says, I'll put enmity between you and the woman speaking uh, uh, the woman between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So God's very first promise spoken immediately after our authority was lost goes like this. Through human offspring, I'll send one who will recover the role you were intended, the role that you lost. God's very first promise is I'll make you intercessors again. See, Jesus came to win back the authority you had lost, to repair the communication breach that you're forced to live with and to pick that lock that's inside of you. Okay, in John 12, um, talking about his crucifixion that was about to happen, Jesus says, now the judgment of this world, uh, now is the judgment of this world, now the ruler of this world will be driven out. Now, that's very significant, and here's why. You and I were created to rule, and what does Jesus call Satan? He calls him the ruler of this world. Now, that's Genesis language. Now, what does Jesus promise? that the ruler of this world will be cast out. He's going to win your rule back, and that's the Genesis promise. At the very close close of the Gospels, after his life, death, death, and resurrection, Jesus sums up his whole life like this. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. He says, I've won your authority back. I've recovered the position for which you've been created and lost. I've made you an intercessor again. See, all this is about the restoration of prayer. 
And uh, at some point, you should be thinking, okay, well, Will, you know, what does this have to do with prayer? Well, I'm glad that you've asked because Jesus is going to clear this up in the most confusing thing that he ever said in John 16. He said, but very truly, I'll tell you, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go, the advocate will not come. But if I go, but if I, go I will send him to you. So Jesus is looking at his disciples and he's saying, it's not you, it's me. Okay, it's not you, it's me. It'd be better if I go. It's, it sounds like the classic breakup speech, but it's actually the furthest thing from it because he's talking about prayer here. And the, at that same very breath, he goes on to say, and that day you will no longer ask anything in my name. Very truly, I tell you that my father will give you anything ask, uh, any, will give you whatever you ask in my name. So he says, until now, you've not asked anything in my name. He's saying that you've gotten used to bringing your requests, your needs, your concerns, and all your complaints, you know, directly to me in person. But I'm making a way for you to go straight to the Father. I'm cutting out the middleman. Okay, he's talking about prayer. Prayer is the pathway that gets us back to God's original plan. Prayer is the way that we can rule, manage, and intercede in this world. And again, prayer is to repair, it's to repair the communication breach that tore through the world at the fall. Philip Yancey, commenting on this very passage, uh, of, of all that, he says this, of all the means that God could have used, prayer seems the weakest, slipperiest, and easiest to ignore. So it is. Unless Jesus was right in that most baffling claim, he went away for our sakes as a form of power sharing to invite us into direct communion with God and to give us a crucial role in the struggle. God has shared his power with you. He even calls you a manager of heaven walking around on earth. And here's that, how that goes from a biblical concept um, to, to, to right here in your heart. See, Jesus is, his 12, is telling 12 of his closest friends that until now you've never really prayed, like I, not like I've designed it. Okay, you've never prayed in my name. So a better translation of in my name is in my authority. So to pray in Jesus' name means that we pray with the authority that he recovered for us. Authority that we were always created to carry. And he's won it back on our behalf. See, in the name of Jesus was never meant to be a tagline at the end of a prayer. Okay? It's actually the exercise of his victory. And it means that we have the same access to God the Father that Jesus has. This is the theologian Larry Hurtado. He says, to pray, like, to pray in Jesus' names mean that we enter into Jesus' status in God's favor and invoke Jesus' standing with God. So this is how this works. You're not Jesus. But if you're a follower of Jesus, okay, you stand before the Father in the very standing of Jesus, okay? Um, in the eyes of heaven, you stand exactly as Jesus stands. So what I'm trying to get you to see is that when God won our authority back, he also won our prayer back. John Wimber says, prayer, prayer is meeting the needs of others by God's resources, and so prayer is heaven's highest security clearance. To pray is to enter into the heavenly vault and collect all that you can in your arms and then you go about with what you see with your heart guided by God and you redistribute it. Do you understand? Okay, so when you pray, when you're interceding with God, you are working with God and you're saying, God, you missed the spot over here. Hey God, are you, are you seeing this? Are you seeing this? And I'm sure uh, he just smiles. You know, um, you know, this, and it's not just to the people that you like, okay? It's to your coworkers and your roommates, your neighbors, your friends. You know, it's at baseball games and over bars, at cafes, young professionals, 
Homeless shelters, prisons, bringing heaven to earth restores the world to how it was created to be. And it gives you, gives you back all that you were created to carry. That's prayer. Now, I think if we're honest, sometimes at its best, prayer seems to be the equivalent of eating celery. Okay? But what if according to Jesus that you've never really prayed until now? That you've never asked for anything in my name? You've never come wearing the royal robes. You've never come wearing the weight of a crown on your head as heir to the highest throne of the kingdom that outlasts all others. You've never gone into the he- you've never gone into plunder the riches of heaven because I've given you the combination to the vault. You've never come to implement the victory that I've already won. I'm just looking for some people to em- implement the consequences of that victory. So here's the part that really blows my mind. See, God doesn't need intercessors managing his creation. God is, he's not overwhelmed by all the responsibilities of running the universe. He started it. He's got this. He's all-knowing, is all-powerful, and completely outside of time. It's God that chooses intercessors. That's how committed he is to sharing redemption with the likes of you and me. That except in the most extraordinary circumstances, God has limited himself in his mission on earth to the management of imperfect, flawed, ordinary people just like us. I wonder what God is longing to do the city. He's just waiting for a manager of his household to ask him. So consider last week. If God gave you everything you asked for in prayer, what would happen? Now, I'm not asking this to um, make you defensive or to accuse you or to hurt anyone. The only reason I'm asking this is because you're a ruler in his household. You're an heir to his throne. What are you doing with all that authority? Now, pa- Tyler, Pastor, Pastor Tyler Statton, this is the guy that I probably got a third of my content from. It's because I really needed his help to go down this rabbit hole because I really uh, thought it, I, I, it, God told me to share this with you today. Um, in his book, Praying Like Monks and Living Like Fools, he says it this way. We dream of a God who brings heaven to earth. God dreams of praying people to hair heaven with. Intercessory prayer should be a rhythm. I like breathing in, breathing out. Okay, we breathe in prayer when we spend time with God and his word. Not just taking part of ourselves, but all of us. He's the only one that really knows you, you know. So we breathe in prayer. And then we breathe out prayer as a blessing over people that God has placed in our lives. All of them. Intercessory prayer on their behalf, God move in their lives. We breathe out, <sighs> blessing. Now, not because it's good to do, because we're commanded to pray. Because it's one of the reasons he created you to have, at the, uh, to have a purpose that's at the center of his heart. And that purpose is other people. He's drawing all of humanity to himself. And if you're a follower of Jesus, see, you already have that. Guys, salvation isn't the finish line. This is just where we get started. You know, prayer isn't just how we power the mission, but it's also how we find the mission. We pray and ask, God, where are you moving? Show me. Put people in my life because I want to do what you created me to do, which is the same thing. You know, that's what intercessory prayer is. It's the same thing that Jesus is doing right now at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding and praying on our behalf. Okay, so we have that, God. What about all the others out there? People matter. People matter. And, you know, people we agree with, people we don't agree with, people on our side, people on the other side, everyone matters. We're all stuck on the same rock. And it's all easy to make excuses or to roll your eyes. It's much harder when love has to put shoes on. 
when we have to walk in those words, who needs your love today? We dream of a God who brings heaven to earth. God dreams of praying people to share heaven with. And I'm going to leave you with this real quick image and ask the band to come back up. Um, if you need a visual on what intercessory prayer looks like, on what you were created to do, check this out. Oh, you go, Bob! Maybe the sweetest tape you'll ever see. Parents, get your kids over here to show them. This is the only place I could find it. Of a brother helping his little sister. Sometimes kids know it the easiest. It just comes natural to them. This is why you were created. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, Father. We just thank you um, that so many people have sought you in their prayer and they've shared it with us over the generations, Father, so that we can be drawn closer to you. Father, you didn't just save us so that we could go around the world purposeless, hanging out at the beach to do nothing, Father, although those things aren't bad either. But there's a whole world of hurt out there and people that need you, those of us that have you, you've called to go out and share that love with people by blessing them. Same way that you've done all through history. God, be with us this week. God, help us be praying people. In Jesus' name, amen.